You may be sitting there saying, did I hear right? Yes, she did say her budget is $9,000, not a month, but for the whole year. When she told me that, I said, how are you going to live? She said, well, it doesn't cost much to live in Haiti. I said, girl, that's less than $1,000 a month. She goes, yeah, I know. What are you going to eat? She said, well, the missionaries that I'm staying at, they're going to cook for me. And I said, do you get spending money? She goes, yeah, probably about $100 a month. But really, there's nothing down there to spend your money on. God bless you. That's all I can say, man. God bless you. Our ultimate goal and purpose is to reach the whole world with the gospel of Jesus Christ and to make disciples of all nations. And as I said last week, that's why we value missions. Now, as I see it, the local church is the vehicle that God uses to fulfill that great commission. The local church is God's vehicle on how that great commission is fulfilled. Therefore, we value the ministry of the local church. Did you know that the word church is not found in the Old Testament? And to my knowledge, the first one who ever used the term church was Jesus himself. There in Matthew chapter 16, when they were in the region of Caesarea Philippi, Jesus asked this question to his disciples, Who do men say I am? And they said, Some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah, others say Jeremiah, some others say another prophet. And Jesus said, But who do you say I am? And Simon stood up and said, You are the Christ the Son of the living God. He said, Blessed are you, Simon, for this was not revealed to you by men, but by my Father. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell, or the gates of Haiti, will not overcome it, or not prevail against it. Jesus is the one who instituted the word, the church. It's a New Testament concept. It's found 73 times. The word church is found 73 times in the New Testament. Let me just share a couple of them with you. How many know that Jesus shed his blood for the church? In Acts 20, verse 28 be shepherds of the church of God, which was bought with his own blood. The church was bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. Remember that old hymn we used to sing? Tis a glorious church without, I knew I could count on you, Betty Brown, 
without spot wrinkled, washed in the blood of the Lamb. Tis a glorious church without spot or wrinkled, washed in the blood of the Lamb. Aren't you glad for the blood of Jesus Christ? And not only did he buy the church with his blood, we know that he is the head of the church. And God placed all things under his feet and anointed him to be head over everything for the church. He is the head of the church and let us never forget. And not only that, what was his intention? His intent was now through the church. The manifold wisdom of God should be made known to rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. God's intent that we, the church, should manifold, should show God's wisdom to the rest of the world. The word church in the Greek is ekklesia. It's a compound word. Ek means for, uh, from, from, here, from here to there. A calling is klesia. Ekklesia is literally a calling from one place to another. A calling from out to. It's a calling from out to. And Jesus chose this word. As church. Why? Because he has called people out of this world into his fellowship. He has called us out of darkness into light. And he uses this word, a word that means a calling out from. He has called us out from the world and put us together as a group of believers. It's a gathering of believers for God. That's what the church literally is. Now let me remind you of something. The church was never meant to be a social club. It was never meant to be a business. The church was never meant to be a museum. I always liked what uh, Jamel Mayo, evangelist Jamel Mayo said one time. The church was not meant to be a cruise ship, but a battleship. The church is not even a building. I know we call a building a church. And sometimes we liken church to a building. But the church is a gathering of people that God has called out of the world together for him and his glory. What does the church look like? Well, in the New Testament, we have a great picture of what the church should be. My four points this morning are not original. They come from the 16 fundamental truths of the Assemblies of God. Number 10, the church and its mission. In the doctrine of the Assemblies of God and the theology of the Assemblies of God, the Assemblies of God have a four point when it comes under the church and its mission. And I'm going to identify those four points through this scripture verse. Should you, can you stand for the reading of God's word if you're able this morning? Acts chapter 2 talks about the gathering of the first group of believers. And it says that they devoted themselves together to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, 
to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to everyone just as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You may be seated. First and foremost, the Assemblies of God says that the church is to be an agency for God evangelizing the world. The church is to be an agency of God for evangelizing the world. There at the beginning of, of the beginning of the church, the Lord added to the church. That was in verse 2. I mean chapter 2. In chapter 4, verse 4, listen to these words. But many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. That's chapter 4. When you get to chapter 5, you get down to verse 14. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. The Lord kept calling those out of the world together for God. God's number one priority for the church is to be an agency whereby we evangelize the world. What was Jesus' mission here on earth? Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. And as Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost, he has now given the church, the ones who have been called out of, together to evangelize the world for him. I love the wisdom of Solomon in Proverbs 11.30. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. Now, I don't know if you've gotten a chance to listen to the podcast yet that Pastor Matt, Pastor Jamal, and Pastor Todd are doing. The Monday morning recap. They get together. It's like a little radio station. And their voices go through the computer waves. I don't know how all this technology works, but you can go on podcasts, and it's about 45 minutes to an hour long. And the three of them will just have like this little talk show recapping the message from Sunday. It's really cool. It's, 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 really, it's really actually uh, very uh, exciting to listen to. If you don't know how to get a podcast, on your way out, there's a visitor's table or, or information table. You can just get one of the young people to download you the app to get the podcast. And before you know it, you hit this button and those three voices will appear and give you the morning, Monday morning recap of the message. But this is a subject that we've been hearing a lot on. The last week of this year, Pastor Matt preached and he talked about witnessing. And last week we talked about witnessing. And in the podcast, Pastor Jamal keeps bringing up, man, this can be intimidating. That word go 
sometimes brings pressure upon us. To fulfill the great commission to go, it can can add a lot of pressure to us. I want to share something this morning that takes all pressure off. Yes, we have a command from above to go, as I said last week. But I like the words of Oswell Chambers in My Utmost for His Highest, that daily devotional book that I've done for years. Listen to what Oswell Chambers says. He says, and I quote, Go simply means to live. Go simply means to live. St. Francis of Assisi says it this way. Preach the gospel at all times and, if necessary, use words. Jesus said it this way, but you will receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Please note, it does not say, and you will do witnessing. It doesn't say you will do witnessing. He says you will what? Be my witnesses. How many know there's a difference between doing and being? Doing sometimes is performance-oriented. And sometimes we put the cart before the horse, and a lot of times we try to do before we are. And that's where we get in trouble and are called hypocrites all the time. I believe our witness is who we are in Christ. And it should be a natural overflow of our devotion with Christ flowing out on an everyday basis. Remember when I showed this picture, Ecclesia, called out of, out from, to? This is where churches get in trouble because the focus was never meant to be inward. Did you know that? The focus was never meant to be inward. What did Jesus tell us we are? We are the light of the world. Let your light shine before men. He has called us out of darkness into light and as his light We are now to let our light shine in this dark world. The way I see it, here's Ecclesia. Here's the church today. Letting our light shine who we are in Jesus Christ in this dark world that we are witnesses for him. That's the church. The church should shine. We are not of this world. We still live in this world. But you know what? We are different from this world. Our attitude, our actions, our words, how we conduct ourselves is a witness. And that's how we go. 
Now, I want to be careful for a moment. I never saw this before. I just saw it a couple weeks ago, and, and yeah, sometimes it takes a while for something to sink in. Right before Jesus was ascended, he gave his disciples the Great Commission in Matthew, didn't he? Go into all the world. But do you know what the disciples were doing right before Jesus gave them those words? Anybody? First, Jesus told them to go to Galilee to the mountain I tell you about. And the disciples went to the mountain that the Lord told them to go. We see obedience. Secondly, when Jesus appeared, before he gave that command to go, do you know what they were doing? Come on. You know what they were doing? When they saw him, they worshiped him. Listen, you can't be until you worship. Therefore, the second aspect of the church and its mission is that we are to be a corporate body in which the people of God may worship God. We are a corporate body. We come together. We've been called out of the world together for God to worship Him. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. And what were they doing? They were praising in God and enjoying the favor of all the people. How many times do I quote Hebrews 10, 25? Let us not give up as some are in the habit of doing. Let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves as some are in the habit of doing. But let us meet together to encourage, to uplift, to spur one another on. As God's people, we have been called out of this world. We have been called together to God that we can have corporate worship together as a family of God. Now listen, I enjoy my private time, my private devotions with the Lord. I go into my office, I get some music on the computer, and I sit there and, and I enjoy my private worship time. But do you know how I view that private worship time? That's just a warm-up. That's just a scrimmage. That's just preparation for game time. For game day. You know when game day is? Game day is the day of the Lord when we all gather together and we've been practicing all week long worshiping the Lord and we come together as a corporate body in worship and praise before Him. Oh, how I love to be in God's house with my family worshiping Him together. That's what the church is, a corporate body. Many years ago, a fellow by the name of Thomas K. Beecher was going to fill the pulpit for his brother. You know who his brother was? Henry Ward Beecher, the pastor at the Plymouth Church in Brooklyn, New York. Henry Ward Beecher 
was a phenomenal preacher where people would come from all over to hear his messages. On this one Sunday, as his brother Thomas K. was filling in for him, as Thomas K. Beecher stepped up to the pulpit, there were people out in the congregation who saw and thought to themselves, oh, I guess his brother's away today. And as Thomas began to say, I'm here to fill in for my brother, Henry Ward Beecher today, there were some who started to get up. And as they were getting up, you know what their thought was, they were going to leave because they had come to hear the famous Henry Ward Beecher. As they were stood about ready to leave, Thomas K. raised his hands for silence. And people just stood still. He says, for all those who have gathered today to worship Henry Ward Beecher, he's not here so you can leave quietly. The rest of you who have come to worship God can remain. Wow. Don't you love that chorus? I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you, all about you, Jesus. Jesus warned us, didn't he? When he talked to the Pharisees, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. What was Jesus saying? That worship flows from the heart. Listen. If we dance, if we raise our hands, if we sing, if the heart is not involved, it's just a bunch of what I call spiritual aerobics. If it doesn't come from the heart. But our worship should flow from the heart. And if our worship flows from the heart, Heart, and it's a directed to God. It doesn't matter who's leading the song, what song we're singing, we worship God. I'll give you one. I can go to a mainline denominational church where there's stained glass windows, where there's a liturgy, and there's an organ player, and I can still engage my heart to worship God. We are a corporate body that comes together for the purpose of worshiping God. Let us never forget that before we go, before we are, we have to know the one we're talking about. We're going to come full circle. Third, the church is to be God's purpose to build a body of saints being perfected into the image of his son. The church is to be a channel of God's purpose to build one another. In Ephesians chapter 4, it says that God gave, called those to be prophets, pastors, apostles, 
teachers, and evangelists. Why did God give all these? To prepare, to equip, to build God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son and become mature and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ that we can be conformed into the image of Christ that we can become mature. Now, please note the word become mature. It doesn't say that we're instantly mature, but becoming mature is a process, and for others it takes longer than some others. What's the whole principle here? The principle is we just need to be patient with one another. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What's the apostles' teaching? The learning of God's word. The knowing of doctrine. How do we apply God's word? How do we practice God's word? What does God's word say? That's why we have Sunday school. That's why we have Bible studies. That's why we have small groups. So we can devote ourselves to the learning of God's word. Heard this story many years ago about a 12, 10-year-old girl. She, she and her parents were on a cross-country bus ride and her, her parents sat on one side, she sat on this other, and, and this 10-year-old girl was just reading the Bible. There was a man sitting alongside on the window seat just admiring this girl, just reading, reading. And he was curious. He says, what are you reading? She goes, the Bible. And he says, you don't believe all the stories that are in there and the miracles, do you? And she says, I do. He says, then how do you think Jonah felt when he was in the belly of a whale for three days and three nights? And this 10-year-old girl says, well, it doesn't actually say a whale. It just says a giant fish. And the guy goes, well, how do you think he felt in the belly of that giant fish for three days and three nights? And she says... I don't really know. But when I see him in heaven, I'll ask him. And this young man, this man looks back at her and says, well, what if when you get to heaven, he's not there? She said, well, then you can ask him. we need to be students of God's word and not only to devote ourselves to God's word but to devote ourselves to one another. John MacArthur says fellowship is the spiritual duty of believers to stimulate each other to holiness and faithfulness. Fellowship. We are to stimulate. We are to encourage. We are to build up holiness and faithfulness to one another. I have to remind myself of this all the time. Confessions of a pastor. Now I know there's other credentials holders here and I trust that this goes nowhere else. But there are, we have fellowship meetings in the Assemblies of God 
in our section. And there's a lot of times, you know, we see on the calendar of fellowship meetings coming up, and I'm like, what's the topic? And if the topic is interesting, I'll consider going. But if it's something I'm not interesting, it, I'm sometimes like, I don't want to go. And I get convicted because it's not about you. It's not about you. We have this consumer-oriented mentality that if we don't like something, well, we're not going to go. And if we like something, we'll go. But do you know there may be someone else there who needs you to be there? What? There may be someone else there who needs your fellowship because it's not always about you. And there have been times before where I've reluctantly gone to a fellowship meeting, not interested in the topic, and during lunch, someone will sit down to me and start talking about a difficulty they're having at their church, and I'm able to encourage and counsel and give them wisdom, and I leave saying, man, it's not always about me. But sometimes it's about being there because someone else needs your input. Someone else needs your fellowship. Man, we need to stimulate one another to holiness. We need to encourage one another. Sometimes we don't want to wake up on a Saturday morning and go to a men's breakfast, but there may be another man who needs your presence there. We may not get up early on a Saturday morning and go to a women's breakfast thinking, oh, no big deal, they won't miss me, but there may be someone else there who needs your presence there. It's not about you, but it's about the family. It's about about fellowship. It's about encouraging one another and making yourself available to one another. Well, we need to land the plane. I go back to my favorite book in the New Testament. And this is the one that slaps me all the time and beats me up. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Each of you should not look out only to your own interests but to the interests of others and how can you look out for the interest of others if you don't even make yourself present well fourth and last we are to be a people who demonstrate God's love and compassion for the world all the believers were together had everything in common selling their goods, and giving to everyone who's had need. All right, let me be real quick with this. In order to give, you have to be full. Come on. Romans says it this way. God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given to us. If God has poured out his love to us, what are we to do in return? We're to be a spigot and pour his love out to others. But in order for you to pour out, 
you have to be receiving in. And as we receive God's love, as we receive love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, as we receive the fruit of the Spirit and are full ourselves, we open the valve and we pour it to others. That's how we serve. We serve from our hearts of what God has filled us with. Now, here comes the problem. A lot of times we turn off our spigot and God flows and pours into us. Have you ever seen a pond that doesn't have an outsource? Water flows in, it gathers. Because it has no output, it becomes stagnant. I don't care how hot it is. It could be a hot, humid day. If I come up to a pond and it, the water is stagnant, it's got pond scum all over it, I ain't jumping in. Uh-uh, I ain't going in. I don't care how hot, I don't care how refreshed I need to be. I'm not hopping in. And a lot of times, we become like pond scum in receiving all the blessings, becoming stale and stagnant, and we're not able to refresh anyone because we don't open the valve to let it flow. We are to be a people who demonstrate God's love and compassion for all the world. Why? Now we come full circle because God wants us to be an agency to what? Evangelize the world. What do we do first? We worship. We know we've been called out from to, out of darkness into the marvelous light. We worship. We grow. We mature. We become like him. God's love pours out his love to us, where then we're able to be witnesses and are an agency to reach this world for Jesus Christ. That's why I value the local church, because it's God's vehicle to fulfill the great commission that he's given to us. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we want to be an agency that reaches this community for you. But Lord, we know that even before, as a corporate body, we just need to come and know you. Know of your goodness, know of your greatness, have a personal relationship with you. As a corporate body, we, we need to unify ourselves. And worship the one whom it's all about. It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. And together, Lord, we fellowship to build one another up. To encourage. As iron sharpens iron, we sharpen one another to conform us more into the image of Christ where we are God's love poured out into this dark world, where you use us as an agency to reach this world and community. Would you stand with me as we close? 
I'm coming back to the heart.